0: Welcome to Threshold Church. Today's message is from Pastor Jake Kale. Awesome. Who's ready to get into the Word today? I hope you brought your Bible, because we're going to be moving around to a couple different places tonight. Um, but anyway, let me just open up in prayer, and then we're going to begin to open up the Scriptures and dive into a, a theme here, a topic. Father, I thank you for this night. God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you, Lord, specifically for the power of the gospel. God, I thank you that the the gospel is the power of God to salvation, Lord, for those who believe. I thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that your spirit would make your word even just to come to life, Father, in our hearts. Lord, if there's areas of our hearts that have been hardened, that you would soften our hearts. God, if our ears need to be opened up, Lord, you'd open up our ears, God, I pray that you would use this time, Lord, to speak to us in personal ways. Lord, that you would just take your word. I thank you that your word is personal, Lord, that you you call us by name, Father. And I pray that throughout this evening, Lord, you'd be using this time to speak by name, Father. You'd be moving by your Holy Spirit. So, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I ask you to come. I ask you to move. I ask you to lead. I ask you to open up our hearts and our eyes, Father, God, I pray that the word would come with conviction, Lord, that it would be by your spirit, Lord, that it would would bring conviction, Lord, it would bring change. God, let your light shine, Lord, through your word. And so, God, we just quiet our hearts before you. God, we clear our minds of every distraction, anything that would hinder us from being able to receive what you want to speak or what you want to do. In this place, God, and I pray, God, that your word would do the work that you called to do. Your word would bring transformation tonight, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to talk about the transforming power of the gospel. The transforming power of the gospel. Come on. I prayed it earlier where, where, where the Apostle Paul, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. It is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. There's power in the gospel. The word gospel, just it means good news. It's the good news. Jesus came to bring good news. Last week, if you were here, I talked about walking on the narrow way where, where um Jesus talked in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, he said for us to go on the, uh, the narrow way. He said make sure to enter through the narrow way. He said broad is the road, wide is the road, wide is the gate that leads to destruction, that leads to death. And he said many people are traveling on this broad road, this wide road. that But it actually in the end it leads to destruction. And then he said but narrow is the way, difficult is the way that leads to life and few people find it. And how, how, especially in our culture and in our, in our time, there's such a, a push for the church to embrace the broad road, right? And there's always supposed to be a difference between the people of God and, and the world around us. Not so that we can walk around like holier than thou and we're so much better. No, because it's all by grace. It's all by God's grace. But there's always meant to be a difference between the people of God. And we see that throughout Scripture. And uh, I want to read from a passage that really it contains a warning in it, but it also contains an incredible message of hope, an incredible message of transformation. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So we're going to start here. And uh, like I said earlier, we're going to be um, eventually going to a couple different places of Scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to start reading at verse 9. This is the the Apostle Paul is writing, and each of Paul's letters, many of his letters were written to different churches, and then some were written to individuals, like Timothy and and Titus, Philemon, but many of his his letters were written to churches. And so in 1 Corinthians, he's writing to the church at Corinth, and he's bringing teaching, he's bringing instruction, he's bringing correction, he's answering some of their questions that they brought. And in chapter 5 and chapter 6, he starts to deal with sin in the church. He starts to deal with sexual sin, um, specifically quite a bit. And then he goes into some other areas. But but he brings this part here, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9. I'm actually reading here from the ESV, uh, this part. He says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. So, he's so here's the warning part. He's saying, guys, don't be deceived. Don't be persuaded by the lies of the culture or the world or the enemy, right? He's saying, don't be deceived. See, the thing about deception is it's tricky. You don't necessarily know you're deceived when you're deceived. That's the nature of it. That's why it's called deception. So he's warning them, don't be deceived. And then he goes through this list. He says, neither the sexually immoral... Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So he's bringing a warning here. He's saying... He said, do you not know the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? And he begins to go through a list of different um, areas, multiple different areas. We'll touch on some of that as we go. But then verse 11, this is a message of hope. It starts as a warning, but then it it brings it into a message of hope. I love this phrase, this sentence that, that starts verse 11. And such were some of you such were some of you do you do you understand what he's saying here as he's going through this list of all these different areas some of its sexual sin some of its idolatry some of its um, you know um, drunkenness and uh, stealing lying all these different areas he's 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 bringing in and he said, he's talking to the church at Corinth, and he, and he says, I know your stories. I know where you came out of. I know what you used to be like. Some of you used to do these things. Some of you used to be bound by these things. Some of you used to be caught up in, in a life like this, like I just read. Such were some of you. But then he says this, you were washed. You were washed. You were cleansed. Right? You were sanctified, which is just a theological word. It means to be made holy. You were set apart. You were made holy. You were justified. Another theological word. It means you were declared righteous in the eyes of God, to be declared righteous in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. We were having a prayer, our Wednesday morning prayer meeting um, a month or two ago. I can't remember the exact time frame. Maybe a month ago, maybe two months ago. And... Um, during that time, the Holy Spirit just really drew me to this passage, really drew me to this, these verses. And we just began to intercede for these different areas um, that, that, he's, that he's talking about. And there could be others that, that, that are added to that. But, but yes, it's a warning, right? So first he's saying, guys, don't be deceived. Here's, here's the thing. There's a deception today that basically says it's basically the gospel minus repentance, Essentially what it is. It's basically the, the good news of salvation minus repentance, which I'll talk about a little bit later. It's a real important word, which is turning away from sin and, and, and being changed. right? So there's a deception that basically says that God affirms us in our sin. And while God loves us the same, he loves us. He's, he, his love motivated us to actually reach out to us. Oops, I almost fell down. Got to be careful these steps. Oh, boy. <laughs> His love motivated him to send his son, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Right? But we we have a real muddled and confused concept of what love means today. And so there's this idea that, well, God loves everybody, and so God doesn't care how we live. Right? God loves everybody so we can do whatever we want. Right? Right? And, you know, one of the most famous verses you'll hear quoted is, uh, do not judge, right? Because guys ever, you know, don't judge, don't judge, right? Plucked out of the context, plucked out of the, you know, out, out, out of the whole scripture and just, you know, I saw one meme one time, where it said, how, how some people read the Bible. And it, and it was the Matthew verse that says, do not judge. And everything else was, you know, scribbled um, squ- squ- out with, you know, with marker, a Sharpie marker, just scribbled it all out. And then the part that said, do not judge, was the only part that was there. Right? And sometimes that's how we read the Bible. Right? So the very same Bible that says that God is love says that God is judge. Right? Right? And it's not judgmental to agree with what God says. Right? It's not judgmental. Now, you can do it in a right spirit or a wrong spirit. I think sometimes, sometimes what happens is people might be speaking truth, but they're doing it in a wrong spirit. And so it comes across in a very judgmental way because they might be speaking right things. But see, so we, we need the right spirit behind it. Absolutely. Right? Like, John the Baptist had a really strong message of repentance, but he was anointed by the Spirit of God. He was sent by God, and the people responded. There was repentance coming. People were turning. They were confessing their sins. So Paul was warning them. He's saying, don't be deceived by this thought that, well, I can just kind of do whatever I want. I can live however I want. You know, I, can, I can live because I believe in Jesus, so I'm, I'm good to go, right? Right? No, he's warning about that kind of deception. So it's a it's a warning to us. But there's also an incredible message of hope about transformation because he's saying you were transformed by the power of the gospel. You were changed. The gospel doesn't just point out your sin, it gives you the power out of it. The gospel doesn't just point and say, don't do this. And it says, No, here's a way of escape, here's a way out. It doesn't just hold up an impossible standard above you, and then you can never, you know, you can, because on our own, we can't do it. We can't work our way to God. That was the whole problem with the law, because the law is righteous. The law is true. The law is good, Paul says. But he says it failed because of our, our own weakness and our own strength. We, we don't have the power to, to change ourselves. And that's why we needed a new covenant. That's why Jesus came. That's why he died on the cross. There is transformation that happens, Such were some of you. See, salvation is not just a change of address, it's a change of life. Salvation does not just change your eternal address, it actually changes your life. Salvation is not just a ticket to heaven. It is deliverance from sin. Salvation, it's not just a decision, it's a conversion. You see, these people were converted that Paul's talking to when he says, such were some of you. There was a conversion, a change, a transformation. Now, I'm going to just pull out a couple examples from the Bible just to kind of these, the, the, some of these are pretty like obvious life changes, right? So, like one is like the Apostle Paul. Imagine, so you if you know the Apostle Paul's story, it was one of major transformation. You know, the word transformation uh, has to do with like the word metamorphosis in the original Greek language. Um, it's 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 tied to that same concept of metamorphosis. So you know how a, you know a caterpillar. Butterfly. Now, how, how how on earth is this the same little animal, little creature? Right? It's, it's this fuzzy little fat caterpillar. And then it goes through a process called transformation. It goes through a process called metamorphosis. And by the time it comes out of the cocoon, it's a completely different animal. Right? It looks different. It functions differently. Now it's able to fly. It looks a lot better. Right? It was transformed. The Apostle Paul, he was known as Saul, Saul of Tarsus, right? He was, couldn't have been someone that hated the gospel more than the Apostle Paul. Hated Christians. You know, he was raised strict Jewish, you know, Pharisee. He was taught that, that, that what Jesus what was doing and that his way and his uh, method was, uh, was heresy or was blasphemy. And, and so he had this intense hatred. He thought he was doing the right thing. He thought he was obeying God by, you know, by putting people in jail, by killing Christians, right? So the gospel was spreading. And Paul was like the number one enemy of the gospel in that time. He was like rounding up believers. He was basically like a terrorist. Think about it. I mean, he was like a terrorist, He was there when Stephen got stoned. He was—he voted to, to kill Stephen. He was there arresting men and women who were followers of Jesus, putting them in prison, killing them—all that stuff, right? This is Paul. And you can tell you can just different parts of the, uh, the book of Acts. You can see the hatred. And it says Paul was still breathing out murderous threats against the people of God. It's like this, this rage, this intensity of this hatred. And then, you know, obviously for him, he has a completely sovereign encounter with God, right? He's on the road to Damascus, and, and he has an incredible encounter. Jesus appears to him, uh, blinds him. You know, he's blind for a couple days. He's knocked off the, uh, to the ground. And he has this, he has this conversion, he has this conversion. He becomes a follower of Jesus. And now he now we're reading from the writings that he wrote. Right? <clears throat> okay, so this is a pretty extreme example, but there was a transformation that took place. You know, what if Paul would have claimed to become a believer, but he didn't change any of his behavior? Would you, would you think, would you consider it true? Right? What if Paul said, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but he's still killing Christians? I believe in Jesus. My sins are forgiven. I'm still raging, murderous, hateful, putting people in jail, killing people, right? Would any of us accept his conversion as real? Of course not, right? Now, there's another person I want to highlight, a little, a little bit less extreme, but still you can see a big transformation. And there's, uh, this is a guy named Zacchaeus. You guys know the story of Zacchaeus? Some of you are singing the song right now in your mind, aren't you? Zacchaeus was a Some of you are singing it. Who's singing it? Come on. Come on, admit it. There you go. See that? (laughs) Old kid song. The story of Zacchaeus, I think it's in Luke 19, right? It's a story of transformation. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Now, if you've watched The Chosen, how many people are watching The Chosen? You probably, you know, if you, you followed Matthew's story, it gives you some insight into why it was such a big deal for a person to be a tax collector, because they were seen as traitors, because they were traitors. They were basically working for the enemy. They were basically working for the Roman government that was over the Jews, and so they were collecting taxes from the Jewish people, but oftentimes they would take more than, than was required. And we knew this is the case with Zacchaeus, because when he repented, he said, I'll give, I'll give back what I took. It says that by, by, through extortion, through false accusations... You know, they would take more money. They would steal, basically, from the people. Right? So he was a chief tax collector. So he was like a senior leader over other tax collectors, probably. So he was kind of a big shot among tax collectors. And for some reason, he was intrigued by Jesus. And he wanted to see him. He wanted to know, who is this person? We don't know really any details about his background. But it said he wanted to see Jesus. And he heard that Jesus was going to be coming by. But he was short. So he climbed up what? Sycamore tree, come on. You know the story. You know the song, right? He climbed up on that sycamore tree. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> he, so he climbs up on the tree so he can get a view of Jesus. He can see Jesus. And then Jesus calls him by name. Right? Zacchaeus, come down. You must, I must spend time at your house today, right? And through the process of this encounter with Jesus... He has a conversion. He experiences salvation. We know because Jesus said salvation has come to this house. But but I love this story. It's a picture of what repentance looks like. He says, Lord... Right now, I'll give half my goods away to the poor. And if I've taken anything by false accusation, by extortion, whatever I've taken, I'll give back four times the amount. I'll go back to every single person I stole money from, and I will give them back what I took times four. So he went from being greedy, swindler. Notice that was some of the things on the list in 1 Corinthians, right? Greedy, driven by money, love of money, never enough money, Swindler, stealing, thief, right? He fit, he fit those categories. And he, so this is a picture of what repentance, where, where he, he didn't just say, he didn't just pray a prayer of salvation and then keep living the way he was. Right? He didn't just, he didn't just make an intellectual decision and say, oh, I believe in Jesus, he's the Messiah, But I'm going to keep taking money from people. I'm going to keep extorting. I'm going to keep stealing. I'm going to keep making money my God, essentially. See, money was probably his God. Money had become what he was worshiping, what he was living for, what he was taking. Right? So there was a transformation that happened in his life. And again, we don't know really any details after that either, but we have enough to see. Jesus said, salvation has come to this house. We know that Jesus certified his repentance. Jesus, Jesus certified his salvation. And there was the fruit of it. There was the fruit of a changed life. There was the fruit of repentance that was there. So, so again, imagine if he would have just kept doing what he was doing, but say, now I believe in Jesus. Right? Now listen, every person's story is going to be unique. Every person's journey is going to be unique. Okay? Don't compare yourself to somebody else's story. God doesn't compare you to anybody else. God compares you to you. God compares you where you were to where you are. Does that make sense? He's not comparing. Don't, don't compare yourself to, well, I didn't have a conversion like Paul. Okay, well, who, who did? Right? And I also want to say this, too, because, you know, for a lot of us, maybe you grew up in a Christian home and you're like, well, I don't have some big crazy testimony. You know, I don't have some big, you, know, you don't have to have, like, you don't have to have a big crazy testimony either, right? So just, again, don't compare yourself to other people's stories or or testimonies. But the point is that there should be something that changes in our life when we receive the gospel. And and there should be something that changes. I used to do this, and now I'm free of that. Or Now I do this. I, I used to be bound by pride, and now I'm not. I used to be bound by lust, and now I'm not. I used to be, you know... Given over to drunkenness, and now I'm not. I used to uh, be, be a liar. I used to, wh- whatever it might be. Okay, so again, if you if you grew up in the church, maybe you accepted Christ, you know, genuinely at a, at a young age, and so maybe you've been walking with Him since you were a, a child. So you don't necessarily have, so you don't have to have a major Damascus Road experience or big life trans- But there's still a tra- the evidence of transformation in your life. There's still the evidence of fruit of God's Spirit at work in you. Does that make sense? So it's not that we're perfect. It's not that, it's not that Zacchaeus never sinned again. But his life was changed. His heart was changed. His motivation was changed. His focus was changed. It's not that the Apostle Paul never made a mistake again. But his life was transformed. The whole direction of his life got turned around. And then there's a process of transformation. And so I want to I want to talk about three different ways that transformation comes through the gospel. And there could be more than this, but I'm just going to highlight three. Three ways that transformation comes. The first one, is that through the gospel, there is freedom from the power of sin. Freedom from the power of sin. I want to kind of break that down a little bit. But we often think about freedom from the penalty of sin as what the gospel brings to us. We often think about freedom from the penalty of sin, right? That means the guilt. That means hell, right? That means, you know, our sins are forgiven and we, and we get we receive eternal life, right? That's part of that's part of our salvation. But sometimes we don't gra- grab a hold of this other part where it's actually freedom from the power of sin. That's part of what Jesus did for us. Look at John chapter 8. We're going to start going to a couple different passages with these different points, but John chapter 8 verse 31 <clears throat> The whole chapter is kind of a a discourse he's having with a lot of the Jewish leaders at the time. In verse 31, it says, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, see, there was was a belief that was there, but Jesus wanted to get a little bit deeper to make sure. Is this a heart-level belief, or is this an intellectual assent? Right? He wanted to get a little bit deeper. So he said, if you abide in my word... You are my disciples indeed. If you remain, that word abide means to remain connected, to be rooted in. If you remain in my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Verse 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. They answered, we are Abraham's descendants. We have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? They're like, what are you talking about, Jesus? We're not slaves to anybody. We're we're descendants of Abraham. We we come from the right line. We're God's people. How can you tell us we need to be free from anything? And then Jesus clarifies. What is he talking about? Verse 34, he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I love these verses. There's so much richness in what, this little dialogue that they're having. Abiding in his word, remaining in his word, being a true disciple of the Lord. You'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. Here's the thing. It's not truth that makes you free. It's knowing the truth that makes you free. Because truth is truth whether you know it or not. And to know, in the Greek word, to know means an experiential knowledge. You have a revelatory knowledge of the truth. You have an experiential knowledge of the truth. And when you encounter the truth, when you have a revelation of truth, it's going to break the chains. It's going to set you free. See, because the opposite is also true. If we believe the lies of the enemy, we get bound. Lies can keep us bound if we believe the lies of the enemy, they can can wrap around us like chains. But Jesus says, You'll know the truth, you have a revelation of the truth. And when you know that truth to that revelation, then it's going to set you free. And they're, again, they're arguing with him. What do you mean? We're not slaves. We, we're descendants of Abraham. And then he zones in. He says, no. He says, you don't get it. That Those who make a practice of sin, those who give themselves to sin, become slaves of sin. Because here's the thing about sin. Sin always wants to start small, but when you give yourself over to it, it always begins to take a hold of you stronger and stronger. That's just the nature of what sin wants to do. Sin's very deceptive. That's so why Paul said, don't be deceived. When he's naming all these things, don't be deceived. Sin's very deceptive because you notice when the devil came the first time in Scripture, when he came to Adam and Eve to tempt them, we see the first time sin happens, right? Right? He didn't show up with the pitchfork. Right? Like I said last week, you know, the road to destruction doesn't have signs on it saying, you're on the road to destruction. Keep on going. Right? The devil didn't come to Adam and Eve and said, say, hey, follow me so you'll die. Follow me. No, he said, you will not surely die. He twisted the word of God. He came with deception. The nature of sin is it's deceptive. It appeals to our natural desires, it appeals to the flesh, it appeals to pleasure, it appeals to pride, it appeals to power, whatever it is it, it appeals to these things. control will feel like we're in control, having momentary pleasure sin can bring pleasure for a moment. The Bible talks about momentary pleasure, right, but it leads to dissatisfaction, death, destruction it never it never actually quenches the thirst in us. it never actually fulfills the promise that it makes to us. It always leaves us empty. But it's deceptive in nature, and it can pull us in. But it's really, it's, and it, it results in destruction and death, but it also becomes addictive, enslaving. It becomes enslaving. You can start by telling a little lie and... Then you have to tell another lie because you got to cover that lie. Then you got to keep, you know, you got. Then all of a sudden, you can be living a lifestyle of deception. You can be living a completely double life. You can be living a, a life where lying has become a way of life, and lying has become like a, like a, a stronghold. Like it's gripping you. Like it, you can't seem to get out of it. Like just think about how drug addiction works. As a, as, as a, an example, and you can compare that to any other kind of sin, right? You can start out just, well, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to smoke every once in a while. I'm going to smoke weed every once in a while. It's not that big of a deal. And then you get a little bit of the high. And then, well, you want to get that high again. And then you want to, you know, you want to, and then, well, I want to try something else. Because I want to get a little bit stronger. I want to I feel a little bit of a different high. Right? And you can develop and develop. And each time, that chain is getting wrapped around you. The chain's getting wrapped around you. And you can get to the point, right, where you're enslaved. And when people, you know, get to that point, we see what it does. We see the destruction. We see the death. We see how it completely transforms them in the other way, right? But the same thing could be true of any other sin. It could be true of sexual sin. It can just start out with a little seed that got planted. Well, you know, you saw pornography, and then you just started to plant a seed in your mind, and then it just, well, I'm just going to do a little bit of this. Right? Any, any type of sin, the goal of sin is to make you a slave. That's, that, that's the devil's goal. He wants you to be bound by it. And when I say freedom from the power of sin, part of what I'm saying is that we're born into the world with a propensity towards sinning. So the scripture calls it the flesh or calls it the sinful nature. See, because, because of the fall, because of the curse, we're actually born into the world with like, it's almost like in our DNA is a propensity toward different types of sin. Now, if you have children, you'll, you'll see this play out. <laughs> Nobody has to teach a child to lie. Did you ever notice that? Or to, you know, smack somebody or, you know, be greedy or be, right? And that doesn't mean we need to come down harsh and, you know, put labels on them and all that kind of stuff, right? But there is a nature in us that is actually drawn to sin. That's why we need to be born again, right? That's why we need to be born again, right? Because we're born into this world as sons of Adam, with a propensity towards sin, we're born again and we're made a new creation in Christ. And we're literally given a new heart. Do you know that when you're born again, you are given a new heart that loves to do righteousness. You're given a new heart that actually has a propensity to obey God. You're given a new heart that now, now Paul says, and uh, Paul went so far as to say that we, we used to be a slave of sin. We become a slave of righteousness. It's like I'm chained to righteousness. Like it's, it's like it's like now natural for me to be righteous. It used to be natural for me to steal or cheat or lie or mess around sexually. Or, right now, it's actually natural to be righteous. Do you understand that? That's the power of the gospel. That like, that's actually what happens. Like you're given a new heart. He, said, he says, I'll write my laws in your mind. See, internally. See, in the Old Testament, it was all external. All the laws were written on stone. They were written on paper. You had to read them. You had to learn them. You had to try to do them. You had to work so hard. But no matter how hard they tried, they could never obey the law. They could never fulfill the law. They always kept going back to idols. They always kept, right, because the law wasn't written in their heart. And so he says, I'll make a new covenant. I'm actually going to write my laws In your heart. See, I remember when I experienced transformation. Now, I've shared my testimony many times, just in bits and pieces here and there. See, for me, one of the biggest areas where I had given myself into was sexual sin. You know, growing up, having been exposed to pornography and just being deceived by sin and by you know, the alcohol and the party scene, all that kind of stuff. And so I had a real warped view of, uh, of sex, basically. And so I, I, I began to be in bondage to different types of sexual sin. And when I was, I was at this retreat at the end of my freshman year, and this is where I really encountered the Lord, you've heard me share more about that, but one of the biggest things I was wrestling with was this whole area. Well, what, is, what does God say you know, about sexual sin. Why does the Bible talk about sexual immorality? What does that even mean? I began to wrestle through I began to read actually Corinthians. I began to actually like read it for some reason. We weren't, we weren't studying that. I just decided to read it. I'm reading through it. I'm like, what, what is God talking about? What does he mean by this? And one of the things that happened to me when I was brought to this place of repentance, see repentance means to change your heart and your mind. It's a change of heart and mind that leads to a change of direction. It starts internal, then it becomes external. It's a change of heart and mind that leads to a change of behavior. So in this time of wrestling through, and when God brought me to this point of surrender, one of the biggest things that changed for me was I actually saw clearly God's design for sex, and that it was good. That God made it for marriage between a man and a woman. He made it for the covenant of marriage. And that he wasn't just trying to keep us from having a, a good time. I think I said that last week. It's not just an old man up there trying to strike us down or trying to, trying to keep us from having fun. No, I actually saw what God. why it was such a beautiful thing to be kept sacred in the covenant of marriage. And literally, my heart was changed. My mind was changed, and I actually wanted to do what the, do it God's way. I actually wa- see there was a change of heart that happened, and it wasn't like I had to like force myself to agree with God's way. Like something changed inside of me, and I wanted to do it God's way. And does that does that mean there's never a temptation again? No, it doesn't mean that. But there's a transformation where the heart was changed. And I can tell you there was a deliverance that happened. There was a freedom from the power of sin. Where the drawing to pornography or sexual fantasy or masturbate, all those types of things literally were broken from my life. And, and they would never be a problem again. There was a change that happened. But part of it was actually when I saw, saw it for the way God saw it and had an internal change and so I actually wanted to do it his way. That's so much better than the law way, the old covenant way. Where you know what's right and wrong, but you really don't want to do what's right. But you try to force yourself to do it anyway. So I want to I encourage you that there, there is deliverance from the power of sin. And if you're, if, if, if you're like, well, I'm not living in that, I've never, then, li- then I want you to seek the face of God. I want you to ask, if you need to have a deeper work of repentance and say, God, do something in my heart. That do, 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 I mean, just, there's no formula for this. We're going to have some ministry time and all that. But, but if, 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 that, if you're like, well, I haven't experienced that. I don't, and um, don't compare it to mine, but just compare it to the Bible and say, God, I want the transformation that the Bible talks about. And seek the face of God and dig into His Word and pray fast. Do it and seek Him to receive. It's by His grace. The grace is what changes us. The grace is what changes us. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will bring a, a conviction, a bring a drawing to that place of repentance. By His Spirit. By His Spirit. Notice right to the Corinthians, he said you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God, by his spirit doing the work inside of us. So what the grace of God does is it actually gives us power to overcome sin, to break the sinful nature. So it doesn't affirm our sin, it gives us the way of escape, the way out. So that's, again, we're talking about how transformation comes. The first one, freedom from the power of sin. The second one, the second way that transformation can come is there can be deliverance from the kingdom of darkness. Deliverance from demonic influence. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. If you have a Bible, you can turn. I'm going to read that in a second. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. Paul writing again here. He's saying. He's offering a prayer of thanks to God. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the light. And then verse 13, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. That word power means dominion, authority. He's delivered us from the kingdom of darkness, from the dominion of darkness. And conveyed us, that means transferred us. Into the kingdom of the son of his love, in whom we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. This is part of how transformation happens. We are delivered from the kingdom of darkness. We are delivered from demonic influence. We're delivered from the evil one. Because not only in this fallen world that we're in, not only are we fighting against the flesh... We're actually fighting against powers of darkness, a spiritual world that's around us. And so he's saying, we've been delivered from this kingdom of darkness. We've been transferred from one kingdom to another. There's been a transfer of kingdoms. You've been redeemed, purchased by the blood of Jesus. And I say this all the time. Now, You know we emphasize deliverance here. We have deliverance meetings and all that kind of stuff, so some of this might not be new to some of you. But I say this all the time. God never intended salvation without deliverance. God never intended salvation without deliverance. Deliverance from the kingdom of darkness is part of salvation. We just read it. It's part of what Jesus paid for. But sometimes as believers, we haven't been delivered yet. There's areas of our life where there's been strongholds. Maybe it's because of our own sins. Maybe the choices we made where we opened a door up and there was evil spirits that are influencing us or oppressing us. Maybe it's because of things we experienced. Uh, Maybe it was trauma that happened to us. Maybe it's stuff we were exposed to as a child. Maybe it was abuse that we went through. All kind of different things. Maybe the door got open because we dabbled into things we shouldn't have dabbled into, like the occult or witchcraft or just messing around with spiritual practices. Maybe there's been unforgiveness in our heart. There's been this unforgiveness. And because of this unforgiveness, it's caused a door to be opened where the enemy can torment. There's all kind of ways, right? But transformation can happen when there's deliverance. Transformation can happen. I've seen this over and over again. When people get delivered from demonic influence, they get delivered from evil spirits. These are literal spirits. There's spiritual beings in the spiritual realm. When people get delivered from this demonic influence, I've seen they begin to grow all of a sudden. It's like it's like there was like these chains holding them back. It's like they're trying to imagine trying to run a marathon, but you're tied in chains right? you can't get very far. You're inching along, and all of a sudden the chains are 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 broken. Now you can start to move freely. I've seen people begin to grow. Their walk with God begins to grow. They start to step out in their gifting. They start to hear the voice of God more clearly. They start to have more intimacy with the Holy Spirit. They start to know their calling. They start to have a deeper revelation of His Word. There's so many different things that can happen when those chains are broken when people are delivered. Now deliverance is not everything. It's a it's a part of the equation. But often it's a, a missing link. And so if there's an area of your life that you're struggling in and you can't seem to get freedom in, there could be a need to get delivered, to be set free. Because sometimes people have, they've repented and they've made that heart change and they're turning their heart to God, but yet they still can't seem to get freedom from whatever bondage that might be there. But in their heart, they truly are wanting to get there. And sometimes it's because they need to be delivered from an, Unclean spirit. It's holding them captive. And that shouldn't make us afraid, that shouldn't make us alarmed. We don't have to have any stigma attached to that. It's just reality. It's just the reality of the world that we're in that Jesus came to deliver us from. I don't know if I've shared this testimony here. I've shared it multiple other times. Preaching out at different places, but uh, this was one that came to us this year. Uh, There was a a young man, probably in his 20s or so, but when uh, I went to Shippensburg in February to uh, to preach at a weekend there, a conference, um, there was a a young man that I I recognized him. And I said, Hey, we've, you know, because he had visited our church before a couple years ago. I recognized him, he used to live in this area. And I walk in the doors and I see him at this church in Shippensburg. I'm like, "Hey, well, what's going on?" Good. And I remembered he'd been to one of my deliverance meetings. I was like, "Hey, weren't you?" At, you know. He was like, "Yeah." Let me tell you my testimony. And he shared his testimony of deliverance, and he had been radically set free. He had gone through quite a bit of um, trauma and abuse growing up in a foster care system and being in different places. And he had been abused, and he had been um, had an addiction to pornography, and had um, had been you know bound or um, had this pull towards same sex, you know, attraction, and all these things that were going on, and he was, he was, had this ba- all these battles going on, and he didn't even know if he believed in deliverance. But for some reason, he came to my deliverance meeting. I can't remember how he ended up there. Maybe he went to Threshold first and then went there. I don't, I don't remember. But I had this like all day training at Gateway House of Prayer, and he came there. He was there in the morning, and he said he wanted to get out of there. He wanted to leave. He was things were stirring in him, and he was feeling. A little bit uneasy, and he decided to stick through. He had lunch, and he came back. And then we went into this time of ministry for deliverance. And I began to pray over the congregation. I began to lead the people through prayer of deliverance, praying through different areas, closing the doors, commanding evil spirits to leave, commanding unclean spirits to go. And as I'm doing that, the way he described it, he said it was like like I'm a bucket, And there's all these ping pong balls at the bottom of the bucket. And as you were praying through this corporate prayer, it was like the Holy Spirit just began to flood. And it was like all those ping pong balls began to come up to the surface. And begin to feel all this junk begin just to come out of him and come off of him and, and leave him. And his life was transformed from that day on. His life was transformed from that day on. Yeah, you can give the Lord praise. He was set free from the bondages, from the enslavements, from the effects of the trauma and all that he'd gone through, the perversion, all this, he, he was set free. And so for some people, deliverance is a very important part of the equation. When we go into ministry tonight, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna flow into that a little bit. But I also want you to know, we, we, we offer um, personal ministry at Threshold. Some of you might not realize, if you go to our website, I think under the connect tab, you can find a little deliverance section. And um, there's a place where you can you know, fill out a form and Rachel will get in touch with you or one of our other team members will get in touch with you, Jeremy. Um, somebody will get in touch with you and have a phone call and schedule a time to meet for personal prayer ministry. Right? So we, we offer deliverance sessions, you know, private ministry sessions. And then we do a monthly deliverance service here once a month, every fourth Wednesday. That's why we do this because God's called us to do it, because we see the freedom that God wants to bring. All right, so one more area. Okay, freedom from the power of sin, deliverance from demonic influence. And then the third one is renewing of our mind. This is another way that transformation can come to us. Renewing of our minds. Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, really pretty well-known scripture. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Notice those two words. Conformed. Transformed. Do not be conformed to this world. Conformed speaks of an external pressure. Like you take a piece of Play-Doh and you put pressure on it. You're forming it. You're conforming it by an outward pressure. So he's saying the world is an external pressure. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. There's an external influence all around us trying to pull us in this direction or that direction or to make us like what the world wants us to be like. That's conforming. That's conformity, right? Don't be conformed by the external pressures of the world system. Don't be conformed by the mindsets, by the ways, by the value systems of this world that we live in that's putting this pressure externally. But be transformed, now this is internal, by the renewing of your mind, internally. That's that same Greek word, metamorphosis. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, sometimes deliverance can happen in in a moment, but sometimes transformation takes a process. And I think it's really important also to be aware of. you know, Because, again, we, we can talk about big, the testimonies where there's instant change, and that's all good, and that, but sometimes there's a process of transformation. And sometimes it's a combination of the two. Very often it is. But he's talking about a process of transformation by the renewing of the mind. See, what we think and how we think is so important for the rest of our life. What we think and how we think impacts how we live, impacts what we say, impacts what we do. So much happens between our ears. So much happens in our mind. So much spiritual battle happens in our mind. So much of the warfare we're fighting is in our mind. So what happens in our mind is so important. That's why he talks about renewing our mind, and I think that could really relate to several things. I mean, there's so much more we can get into. I'm just touching on it, but establishing new thought patterns. Because we can, we can get into a rut with the certain thought patterns, ways that we used to think. Like, you know, every, every type of sinful stronghold has a thought pattern attached to it. So it's like you can get free from the demon, but now i got to renew my mind i gotta, I got I to gotta change the way I think about this topic. <clears throat> my sister got set free from an eating disorder. It's in my, I wrote it in my book, Setting Captives Free. She got set free from an eating disorder she had for many years. And she shares her testimony in the book. And she talks about after the deliverance, that's when things changed. But then she had to renew her mind. She literally had to relearn how to relate to food because she had been bound by it in, in this area. So sometimes you know, we get free from fear, and then we need to relearn how we think about it. We, need to, we get set free from sexual sin. We need to relearn the thought patterns, right? And that can be a process of time. Uh, learning to take our thoughts captive. That's part of renewing our mind, is not just letting any thought that comes in run its course, but we actually learn how to have dominion over our thought life. Learn how to take the thoughts captive. Learning how to replace lies with truth. When we have we've believed different lies, we've, we've bought into lies of the enemy about ourselves, about others, about the world, about God, right? Um, God can never forgive me, or uh, I'm, I'm, lives of shame, or I must not be worth much, or God can't love me because this happened, right? So many different things where lies of the enemy can come in. But learning how to replace those lies with truth, sometimes that comes just from meditating on God's Word. Spending the time just being in it and understanding what is true. What does God say is true? And over the course of time, you may not notice it. Sometimes this transformation, it can be incremental. And so, especially with renewing our mind, it's this process. It's kind of like when you're with your kids every day, you don't notice that they've grown a couple inches because you see them every day. But then, you know, you take them to... Across the country to your relative's house, your grand, their grandparents, whatever, whatever. I'm like, wow, you've grown so much. We're like, oh, you don't, you don't. Sometimes our growth is happening incrementally over time. And not till we look back over the last year, two years, like, oh, there is growth happening. There's change happening. There's transformation happening through the renewing of the mind. Why don't we stand to our feet? Why don't we stand to our feet? Because I'm going I to have some ministry. i am preached longer than I wanted to or thought I thought I would. Tyler, are you able to come and <clears throat> play keys? If I was going to have a fourth point, I already preached on it, so a couple weeks ago, which was spending time alone with God. We're transformed when we spend time alone with God. Right? Second, right, The secret place, the personal tent of meeting. If you missed that message from a month or so ago about your personal tent of meeting, I, I talked about I think I close with 2 Corinthians three eighteen. It says, "With unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into His image from glory to glory." So, just being with God, being in His presence, spending time with Him, worshiping Him, praying, waiting on Him, meditating on His Word—all that, right—is part of that process. So, I just want to—I want to. I'm not going to re preach it because I already preached that sermon, but I just—I need to say that because it's such a key part. Being with Him. It's like when you spend time with somebody, you start to pick up on their habits. You spend time with somebody, you start to think similar. You start to talk similar. If you spend a lot of time with somebody, your interests can sometimes, you know, right? Spend time with the Lord, you start to look like Him more. Spend time with the Lord, you start to think like Him more. Spend time with the Lord, you start to speak like Him more. So what I want to do here is I want to I want to have a time of ministry. That's really focused on two main things. One is repentance and one is deliverance. You know, every once in a while we just need to do a deliverance time on Sunday nights. And we have our monthly services on Wednesdays. But every once in a while we just I want to do it here as well on on our Sunday gatherings. And so we're gonna we're gonna begin to go into a time of ministry where I'm just gonna lead us through some prayers. And I'm, as I'm leading you through prayers, I'm also going to give you space to fill in the blanks and to put your own words in and to pray out things that are relevant to you. But I believe that God wants to minister to people in this room. And this, this, this message came very clearly to me in prayer one morning this week. I mean, the whole outline just came very clearly to me. I knew God was leading in this direction. I believe there's people in this room. If you're on the live stream, I want to encourage you to pray along on the live stream. Begin to call on the name of the Lord. Begin to pray out to Him. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to just minister because really it's Him that does the work. Lord, I ask... I ask for your Holy Spirit, Father, to move in our hearts, God, to move in the hearts of people, Lord, in this room. Father, to move in those that are watching this on video, Lord, on live stream. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus, let the power of the Holy Spirit move in this place, God. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the warnings, but I thank you for the hope. I thank you for the hope, God, that is spoken, where it says, such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. I thank you for the hope, God, of transformation. I thank you for the transforming power of the gospel. And God, we yield our hearts to you, we yield our thoughts to you, we yield our lives to you right now. God, I pray that even in this room tonight, Lord, that there would be deliverance. God, you'd bring freedom tonight in the name of Jesus. God, you would turn hearts to you, Lord. There'd be transformation in the heart, in the heart, God. God, if there's any areas where we need to have repentance, Lord, that your spirit would move in the hearts to convict, Lord, to draw us to that place. Spirit, would you fall in this room? Would you move in power? Would you move in grace? Would you move in love? Would you draw people to yourself, God? Would you call those by name, Lord, that you're just tugging on their hearts, knocking on their hearts, God? Would you call them by their name, Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Even before we begin to go into this corporate prayer, I just encourage you to begin to just, if there's areas that God's putting his finger on or if there's ways that God's leading you or speaking you, just begin to pray. Begin to, begin to in your own words, before I even lead out in things, just begin to reach out to him. If you, if you need to come to the altar, come to the altar. If you need to move to a more private place in the room, move to a more private place in the room. Just position yourself in a way that you can just focus your attention on the Lord. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, we yield our hearts to you. We yield our hearts to you. We give you permission to do what you want to do in us. Begin to ask him, begin to ask him for that new heart. If you need that new heart, begin to ask him for that cleansing. If you need that washing, Thank you, Father. You you do the work by your spirit, Lord. You do what only you can do, Lord, by your spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for freedom, Lord, in your presence. Thank you for freedom in your presence, God. Thank you for your truth that brings freedom, God. Thank you, Lord, for your perfect love, Lord. We're going to begin to pray through this prayer. I'm going to lead us just to pray out a just corporate prayer together of deliverance, of repentance and deliverance, which is going to be closing the door on the enemy, turning our hearts to him, and resisting the devil, commanding any spirits that need to go to go. And there's going to be a, a, a time where I just give you some space to deal with any sin where you need to repent of or any areas of unforgiveness where you need to forgive those are two areas that are really important to deal with so let me just begin to lead us out in prayer i want you to i want i want everybody here just to begin to pray this out all right let's do it together in faith and with boldness with authority begin to speak this out let's do it out loud say this heavenly father i come into your holy presence by the precious blood of Jesus. And I worship and honor you as the one true living God. I ask for your Holy Spirit to come upon me and lead me through this time and bring deliverance to me in the name of Jesus. I yield my heart to you, God. I ask for your Holy Spirit to fill my heart, to give me a new heart. I receive your grace, and I thank you that by the blood of Jesus, I'm washed, I'm cleansed, I'm made new. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you're the only way to the Father. I believe that you came in the flesh, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose from the dead. Thank you for your finished work. Thank you that you came to set me free from the power of sin and to deliver me from the kingdom of darkness. I submit myself to you, God. I take an active stand against Satan and against every one of his demons. I want every area of my life to agree with you, Father, to agree with your word. And so I yield to you I completely renounce and repent of all sin. I come into the light confessing sin to you to receive your forgiveness and your cleansing. Specifically, I confess. I'm just going to give you a minute or two just to fill in the blank. If there's areas that you just need to get right in your heart with God, if there's areas you need to confess, areas of sin, Maybe it's one of the ones, some of the ones that were on the list from earlier. Maybe it's other ones. Jesus paid the price to deal with all of them. He he became sin for us. There's nothing too dark, nothing too sinful that he can't deal with it. He can't free you of it. He can't cleanse you of it. out say right now i receive your forgiveness i receive your cleansing i am forgiven to begin to thank him for the blood of jesus begin to thank him for the forgiveness begin to thank him for the cleansing thank you jesus that your blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness that your blood cleanses us and washes away the guilt and breaks the power of shame and breaks the power of sin. That you give us a new heart, God. I thank you, Father. I thank you, God. Now we're going to walk through one more area before we go into the corporate deliverance and that's forgiveness. If you've been through our ministry, we, times you know we often will pray through forgiveness which is releasing people, forgiving people who have sinned against us or hurt us in different ways. And For some people, this is a really important step because unforgiveness and bitterness can really just burn up inside of us and open that door to the enemy. And when you are walking through this time of forgiveness, it's not saying it's okay that somebody hurt you or abused you or sinned against you. It's not saying that that's justified in any way. It's not saying that you need to keep allowing that to happen. It's just saying, God, between me and you, I'm releasing this person. I'm releasing what they did. I'm releasing it to you, okay? So we're just gonna walk through this area of of forgiveness. I believe this is gonna be a big step for people in the room. It's gonna be that prison door opening up. You can step out of that prison door. So pray this out with me. Say, Lord Jesus, because you have forgiven me, I choose to forgive any person who's ever sinned against me or hurt me in any way. I lay down all bitterness. I lay down all hatred. I lay down all resentment and I choose to forgive. Specifically, I forgive. And I want you to name it right now. I'm going to give you a minute or two to say, Jesus, I forgive. And just speak out the name. I forgive. And speak it out. Just release it to the Lord. I'm giving you space just to do that for the next minute or two. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your healing, Lord, being released in this room. God, thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit, just moving into hearts, God. Where there's been brokenness, Lord, even where there was trauma, Lord, that happened. God, even just through this act of forgiveness, God, that you just pour out the power, the anointing of your Spirit into the hearts, Lord, of those, Lord, that were hurt, that were wounded. I thank you, Jesus. You walk through this room, Lord Jesus. Would you walk through this room? Would you move through this place? Would you minister to people, God, right now in this place? Would you touch hearts? Would you touch minds, God, from the effects of sin that was done against them? Would you heal, Lord, from the effects of the trauma that they experienced, the abuse that happened to them? God, and the damage that happened to their mind, Lord, and the damage that happened to their heart, release right now the healing anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit like oil just to flow into the hearts right now just ministering, healing right now, restoration to the soul. I thank you, Jesus, that you're still the one who binds up the brokenhearted. And in the name of Jesus, I speak to the souls that have been broken, the hearts that have been shattered. I say, be made whole in the name of the Lord Jesus. Be restored in Jesus' name. I release the soul from captivity right now in the name of Jesus. I release the soul from areas of captivity in Jesus' name. I release you from it. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. All right, now we're going to get ready just to resist the devil together. You guys are doing great. Just pray this out. Say, Lord Jesus. I submit every area of my life to you. And I declare that you are Lord of my life. Jesus Christ is my Lord. And by the authority of Jesus' name, I speak to every evil spirit that has any influence in my life. And I command you to come out Go in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray for you. I just want you to lift your hands up to the Lord for a minute. Just in a place of receiving, as I begin to pray over the congregation on the live stream, just begin to lift your hands to the Lord and call upon his name. God, I thank you, Lord, for the power of the Holy Spirit falling in this room right now. God, I release the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit that breaks the yoke to begin to come upon each person, Lord. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over every evil spirit. I say, come out from the people now. In Jesus' name, I command every demonic influence, go in the name of Jesus. Every demon, come out in the Name of the Lord Jesus, you leave the people now. Leave the people right now. Leave them now in the name of Jesus. I command you, leave the people now. I break the power of that lying spirit. I command the lying spirit, come out in the name of Jesus. It's leaving you right now. In Jesus' name, go right now in the name of Jesus. Lying spirit, come out in Jesus' name. I break the spirit of trauma. Spirit of trauma, come out in the name of Jesus. It leaves you right now. It leaves you right now. It leaves you right now in Jesus' name. I command it to go I take authority over the spirit of rejection come out in the name of Jesus it goes right now it leaves you right now in Jesus name I command you to come out come out in Jesus name I take authority over every unclean spirit connected to bondage to sin I command every unclean spirit of sexual immorality, come out in the name of Jesus. Leave the people right now. Every unclean spirit of lust, come out in the name of Jesus. Every unclean spirit of perversion, come out in the name of Jesus. I break the power of every spirit of pornography, come out in the name of the Lord Jesus. I break the power of any spirit of adultery go 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 out in the name of jesus i command every spirit of unclean fantasy come out in the name of jesus leave them now leave their minds out in the name of jesus i break your power i break your influence leave the people now i declare cleansing of the blood of jesus i take authority over any unclean spirit of homosexuality come out in the name of jesus every spirit that ever tried to make uh attempt to same-sex attraction come out go from the people out from the people in the name of jesus leave the people now out from them in jesus name i break the power of bondage i break the power of demonic influence it leaves you now it goes in the name of jesus right now i thank you god i thank you god i thank you lord i thank you lord for cleansing by the blood of jesus i rebuke the spirit of shame spirit of shame i command you come out from the people in jesus name Leave now, leave now, leave now. Go in the name of Jesus. The spirit of shame is leaving you. It's leaving you in Jesus' name. I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord. I see the Lord's moving in different people and touching different people. It's freedom. I thank you, God. I take authority over the spirit of addiction. Spirit of addiction, come out in the name of Jesus right now. I command every unclean spirit connected to addiction, come out in Jesus' name. Addiction to alcohol, I command any spirit connected to alcohol, come out in the name of Jesus. I command any spirit connected to addiction to substances or drugs, come out in Jesus' name. Leave the people, go from them now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're walking through this room. You're moving in this place. You're moving in this place, bringing freedom, deliverance, healing. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I take authority over the spirit of heaviness that's caused depression and despair I take authority. Someone's going to get delivered right now from a spirit of heaviness. Spirit of heaviness. Come out in the name of Jesus now. It leaves you now. It leaves you now. Out in the name of Jesus. It comes out now in Jesus' name. It goes right now by the name of the Lord Jesus. I command that spirit of depression. Come out in Jesus' name. It leaves you right now. Out in the name of Jesus. Spirit of anxiety. Come out in Jesus' name. It goes right now. It leaves right now. It goes. Spirit of fear comes out now in the name of Jesus. Every spirit of fear, it leaves the people now. I break its power. I break its power in the name of the Lord Jesus. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. Come, Spirit of God. Come, Holy Spirit, move in this place. I thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you for your freedom. Thank you for your power, Lord, to set captives free. Thank you for the power of the gospel. Thank you for the transformation, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for cleansing right now. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Lord, let your glory just fill the hearts of your people. Fill this place with your glory. Thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come? I just want to minister to this couple, Bradley and Liz. I want to pray for you guys. Would you stand up? Liz, You ever stand up? The Lord's touching you. Father, I thank you for what you're doing right now. I release the power of the Holy Spirit right now to come upon Liz and upon Bradley and upon them as a couple. I thank you, Lord, for the fire of your Holy Spirit just burning up, Lord. I thank you for generational root systems being burned up right now from out of their lives. Right now, I declare that, Lord, over Liz. I break the power of every generational influence and curse that's been over your life. I declare broken now in the name of Jesus. I command every unclean spirit that came through the family line, it comes out right now, it goes right now. By the name of Jesus, it's leaving you right now. In Jesus' name, I uproot it from your soul. It goes, it goes, it goes right now. It goes out. In Jesus' name, I declare the blood of Jesus. Breaks it off, breaks it off, breaks it off. In Jesus' name, Liz, I break the power of word curses that were spoken over you. I break the power of destructive words that were placed upon you and labels that were la- that were placed upon you. I root them now in the name of Jesus. I command the lying spirit. It goes out, it goes, it goes, it goes. It leaves from your life in the name of the Lord Jesus. I break the power of those curses. You're released from it. You're released from it. You're released from it. I command every spirit that was attached to trauma, it goes now, it goes now, it goes now, it goes now. Every spirit of trauma, it goes out in the name of the Lord Jesus. I break the power of past traumas and past relational situations and breakdowns i release a father's blessing upon you i release a father's blessing upon you right now in the name of jesus and i declare that instead of shame there is double honor in the name of jesus i declare the blessing of god to move upon you lord i pray for a fresh filling of the holy spirit to fill every area that the enemy had a hold lord that it be filled with the holy spirit In the name of Jesus, Father, I bless Bradley, Father. In Jesus' name, I uproot God. Every seed the enemy planted, God, during his childhood, I declare it being uprooted right now. In the name of Jesus, every seed that the enemy sowed into his life, to try to, uh, to try to wrap around his identity, to try to make him into something he was never meant to be. I uproot it now by the authority of Jesus' name. I break the power of those seeds. I command every unclean spirit. It goes out, it goes out, it goes out. It leaves from his life in Jesus' name. And, Father, I declare the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, to baptize him afresh, God, to baptize him afresh, God, to fill him, Lord. I break curses that were spoken over you in childhood in Jesus' name that tried to set the trajectory of your life on a course to destruction. I break the curses right now. I break the, those curses. I release you from it in Jesus' name right now. God, release your blessing over him, Lord. a Father's blessing to establish him in his identity, Lord, right now, reveal yourself to him. I pray the fatherhood of God would be revealed to Bradley. The fatherhood of God, the fatherhood of God, speaking over him as a son, Calling him by name, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, God. Right now, I bless what you're doing in Bradley's life. I bless what you're doing in this couple, God. I thank you for them, Lord. I thank you for transformation in their lives, in their home, Father, over their children. I bless them in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I thank you, God. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. I thank you, God. Holy Spirit, move through this place. Move through this time. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, just release a baptism of your spirit, of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In just a minute, we're going to be finishing up, but we're going to make some time for As we dismiss, we'll have our team up front. In fact, if you're on our deliverance ministry team, if you're on our staff, or if you're a staff or elder, or you've been through our equipping process, you're on our deliverance ministry team, you can begin to come forward. Um, How many people have, just in this last 10, 20 minutes, this time of ministry, how many people have felt something leave them or lift off them or come out of them? Just put a hand up if that's you. Put your hand up. Put your hands up real high. Just wave them around so we can just, we want to celebrate with you. Could we clap our hands? That's amazing. That's amazing. It's amazing. It's just it's amazing how God works just in that corporate setting, just ministering to people in a specific way. God is, God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. I want you just to put your hand on your heart as we're getting ready to dismiss. Just put your hand on your heart. Just pray this out. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that because of the blood of Jesus, you have redeemed me. My life belongs to you. And I thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms me. And so, God, I ask you would continue to transform my life from glory to glory. Deliver me from the power of sin and lead me in your spirit. Right now I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. Let every area of my life be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you just to wait in the Lord for a minute. I'm just going to pray for the Holy Spirit just to fill. God, I pray every area of their lives be filled with the Holy Spirit. God, it's your spirit that does work inside of us. I ask for the Holy Spirit of the living God to breathe upon them, to fill them like rivers of living water out of their innermost being, God. God, any areas where there was a demonic influence, I pray, let them be filled, filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Teach us to walk in the Spirit. Teach us to abide in you, Jesus, to abide in your word, to be your disciples, to know the truth, and to walk in your freedom. Transform us, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill them up. Fill them up with your Spirit. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for how you're moving. We give you praise. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we just give the Lord just a praise? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just give him some praise. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, God. We praise you, Father. You are good, Jesus. You are good. You're the one who delivers. You're the one who saves. You're the one who transforms, God. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we're going to do, do kind of a dismissal here. I just want to ask if you're, if you're staying in the room, just be mindful that there's probably going to be some ministry happening. So um, I'd encourage if you're planning to have more fellowship type conversations, you can just kind of step in the hallway or the fellowship room. You can feel free to stay in here and pray. You can begin to make your way to the front if you just want to have more prayer. If you want someone to pray with you, stand with you. Maybe you felt like you something was going on, there was deliverance happening, but didn't quite fully get released. Or maybe you just want someone to pray with you for something else. We're just going to make that open. And so, as we dismiss, um, feel free to come and meet with one of our prayer teams up here, and we'll uh, we'll pray with you. God bless you. God bless you. God is so good. God is so good. Continue to seek Him this week. All right. See you soon. For more information about Threshold Church, visit the website at threshold-church.com.